This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is Chris List, the host of the East Coast Offense Podcast, and I am talking to my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Uh, I have just a couple things to throw at you before we get to the main event, which in which I know what you want to talk about. We haven't even we haven't even brought it up backstage in, in truthfulness, but I know what you want to talk about the most. But um, you do because I don't know what it is. But go ahead. Well, I shouldn't bring it up then, but you're, it's a chance for you to break me even more than usual. Okay, I like that. Okay, so I'll just throw a couple things at you. I, I got to talk about my Warriors, uh, man. Did you see that? I know you're not huge on hoops, but did you see the uh, the Celtics with the biggest comeback upset in NBA playoff history uh, when they when they beat them as as seventeen point dogs and they were down twenty one points without their best player? Did you see that? I heard about it. I didn't actually see it literally. Yeah, biggest upset in playoff history. My Warriors first team ever to start twelve and zero. Uh, what what do you think the odds are right now them against the field, which really means the Cavs in the finals? I think they're like probably 60-40 favorites. What, what do the Vegas odds say? So, I mean, this fluctuates from casino to casino, but I was just reading an article this morning at Stations, which is a pretty big uh, casino there. Opened at 220, minus 220. Wow. And they've been hammered so much, it's minus 300 currently. Wow, so that's 75-25. Yeah, that's, that's man. I, I, I've been pretty confident in uh, social media and bragging, but uh, obviously this cast team... <laughs> Is pretty dangerous, and uh, me and me and Barons, who I'm about to do a podcast with immediately after this, have a significant bet. Uh, I, I have ten percent of Barons' stake in that. Actually, I hope he forgot about that. Oh. Don't remind him that I that I. <laughs> I was just going to say you should have told me that. No. Um, that's Whatever funny. you do, don't remind Andy Barron. All right, um, but you should see uh, you should see the, the the prices of tickets. I've already looked into it. They're they're pretty absurd. But after sitting through Game Seven in person, I I would love to. I'd love to be there when they uh, put that banner up in, in the you know the third time they face each other and and, and seemingly healthy. But anyway, a um, couple of football things to throw at you. I'm, uh, not the most exciting uh, subjects, but did you see the Goodell, the, the changes, the, the TD celebration easing up and the, and the OT shortened? Do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, I'm not really sure why they shortened overtime. I, I don't really see the purpose of that. Like, it doesn't go to overtime that much, and I don't. I just don't see it's like – it's not that it's going to be bad necessarily. I mean, obviously the chance of a tie goes up, but it's just it wasn't a it wasn't a problem. It wasn't something that really needed fixing. It was a, a weird thing to fix. 
obviously the celebration rules were ridiculous, and the fact that that would actually affect the outcome of a game, and then some douchebag announcer would be like, "Yeah, that's what he gets. You know, he should be more team oriented and not celebrate." It's like, dude, you're you're basically playing a violent sport in front of 80,000 people that if you make an error, like everybody destroys you both live and on Twitter and you're the worst person in the world. And you're probably going to have permanent damage when you leave this game. And when you do make an amazing play and score a touchdown, you know, you let some emotion out and then you get a penalty. You know, it's like so dumb. So it is good that they're not worrying about that. The NFL is still in the dark ages when it comes to things like weed, but at least they, they did something right. Yeah, I mean, it, it could get out of control. I mean that in a good way. I'm really looking forward to the to the GIFs uh, next season with these celebrations. I mean, Antonio Brown, especially, uh, you know, he, there could be some really funny stuff going on. I mean, I don't care about it. I don't think it's like entertaining. Like, I think it's dumb. Like, I don't. It doesn't. Sure. I don't. I don't, I don't give don't, a shit about their stupid celebrations. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I just don't think it should be affecting the game. I mean, who cares? I just don't. I just think live and let live. Like, let them do it. But it's not like, oh, I'm excited to see like what new. I mean, I truly don't give a shit about that okay fair enough i think there could be some funny some funny comedy there possibly though but um i hear what you're saying the ot shortened thing it is weird because not only as you say more ties but um i i I heard an argument i read an argument that i think the goal of this was a, a safety issue but what it could result in is just teams running plays quicker like it's just the same, you know, instead of that, they're just going to be running the same amount of plays, but in a quicker amount of time because they know that they have to, to hurry. So I, I don't get the, that at all whatsoever. But anyway, in the second half of the season, like there's some teams that are that the tie versus the loss is the bigger difference than the tie versus the win. So if you know that a tie is as good as a win, you just don't want to get a loss then because it's the second time playing a team. You beat them the first time, so now you have the tie break in the event of a, the same record in your division. You're going to slow it down even more, and the other team's going to want to take more gambles because for them, the difference is to win it. Tying doesn't help. It's like a loss. So you're going to have, you know, just depends who has the ball. But, like, I mean, I, it's just such a marginal rule on something that doesn't happen that often. I'm surprised they even bothered to change it. Yeah, it is a little weird. Um, next thing I wanted to bring up was uh, it's funny that I, I went – crazy about uh the one year i go nuts i've always been a pitcher's guy but i went out of my way on video and yahoo and all this stuff about taking clayton kershaw number one overall and he's he's lived up to it he's great but it's pretty funny that the year i picked that to go really vehemently about it mike trout is it's going ape like who's who who, who predicted a career year at this stage i mean you realize the numbers he's putting up how sick they are Right, he missed like a week, too. He'd have like 20 homers by now if he just hadn't missed that week. The thing about oh, Kershaw, though, Kershaw's numbers are equally sick because you have to understand his whip is like .85 or something or .82, and his yeah. ERA is like .205. Two of his like 10 starts or nine starts were at Coors Field. Do you understand that? That's right. <laughs> like, like, 20, yeah. like Usually those are starts that you can't even use most pitchers in Coors Field. Like a significant percentage of his numbers are put up in the worst possible environment. So Kershaw's been equally sick, and especially when you consider that Bumgarner and Syndergaard are hurt and that Arietta's fallen apart and that a lot of pitchers have underperformed. I mean, that, I, I still think Kershaw was the, was the better pick, although obviously, you know, picking one and two, and the guys who picked Goldschmidt also are doing just fine. Like those three picks are really the, the best three in the first round. 
No, that's a great point about uh, Coors Field. But yeah, I mean, Trout has 15 bombs and nine steals as a thing, and he's hitting 347. It's pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. And he's just, I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best players of all time. It's, it's crazy. Um, what I was going to bring up, uh, and then I'll let you pontificate on whatever you want, is that you're going to give me a hard time because our League of Leagues team is in uh, currently it's in 13th out of 14th place. And you did not realize this until you looked into a trade that Jonah Carey was offering us. Yeah, like another bullshit Jonah Carey offer that's terrible, obviously. Um, I looked into I, I just decided to look at the roster to see if I could counter with something. And I was like, how are we doing so badly? Like, you you were telling me how great of a job you did at the draft. But if we don't finish at least, like, seventh, and remember, this is like a one-year cycle this time, it's over for us. Like, we cannot win the overall. Yeah, no, I mean, we do have a especially sick basketball team and, and a really winnable football team. But, yeah, this has been a very big disappointment. Um, our strategy in pitching has been fine. We do lead in whip and ERA, and we're actually second in saves and Obviously, last in K's and wins, punting starting pitchers. So that that's worked out as planned. The hitting has just been awful. We're we're in the bottom five in every single category. But again, this is a a fourteen team league, and I want to run it. Uh, everyone, no one wants to hear about your your fantasy team. I get it, but I just want to run by the players we have real real quick. So if you think that I did a, a poor job, even though, job. by the way. You were on the I am with me during this. I mean, it's not like you for were a couple rounds. I mean, you really took it over and destroyed the team in a way that was unconscionable. Okay, again, fourteen team league. Uh, Gary Sanchez at catcher. He just missed a lot of time, right? He's he's fine. Yeah, but uh, you overdrafted him in a one catcher league. But yeah, keep going. Chris Davis at first base. He'll be fine. He's going to be fine. D Gordon at second. I didn't like him, but you insisted on taking him. He is stealing bases at least. Yeah, uh, Ryan Healy at third. I, I still like him. Horrible. Be- Disaster. Yeah. Trevor Story has been a huge bust. But Trevor yeah. Story at short. Yeah, I mean, he should do a little bit better, yeah. DJ LeMahieu at middle infield. Yeah, you reach for him, but he's been fine. He has a 365 on base. Yeah. Uh, right now, our middle infielder is my boy Ryan Schimpf. That's just because uh, we have uh, – do we have a guy – Sorry, uh, what is that? Corner infield, sorry. Corner infield because Justin Turner is hurt, but I think that's minor and he'll be back soon. Justin Turner has a 453 on base. Right, but he's got one home run. Yeah, okay. And then our outfield run by real quick. David Peralta, he's good. Matt Holliday has a 370 on base. He has Monty Tomas. Your guy, Yesiel Puig. And your guy, Byron Buxton, is killing us. Why would you drop Byron Buxton in an on-base league? He's actually walking, though, a little bit. It's it's really just the batting average that's killing us. And he's got six steals. So, uh, you know, I think he'll end up with, like, 15 homers and 30 steals. And he just has to get the batting average up to, like, 230. So he gets his on-base over 300. But he's not going to be that bad for where we got him. And then Hunter Pence and David Dahl on our DL. Right. And um, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean it's Puig. Well, I mean, I guess Puig is just going to be what he is. I guess he's never going to be the breakout guy we loved. And um, and then Ken- Kendry Morales at, at DH. So that for a fourteen team league seems to me like it's underperforming and or hurt to me. But maybe I just have my own. You know, here's your problem. Left. You didn't get anybody breaking out. There's so many guys that were available for free, like Ryan Zimmerman, Yonder Alonso, Logan Morrison. There's so many guys like that, and you got none of them. You were asleep at the switch, Jed Jerko. You were just asleep. You got nothing. There's, I mean, right. there's so. Where are those guys on the team? That's the problem. It's fine. Everybody has a Trevor Story, or Gary Sanchez being out a month. That just happens. But you have done nothing 
You have done absolutely nothing. You've sat on your hands, and you have not gotten us any new blood, and there's tons of it. There's so many good hitters. Logan Morrison, I mean, even someone like that. You just haven't done anything. Yeah. You are really doing a a shitty, lazy job managing this team. The problem is the waiver wire is what you're saying. Of course. I mean, there's no way that all these guys got drafted, all these sort of -of out-of-nowhere players. Yonder Alonso, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're Fair too enough. Slow. So, I, We're too slow to take a chance. Aaron Hicks. All right. Aaron All Judge. Right. Probably someone did draft Aaron Judge, but you you are too slow. Uh, we I we had and you didn't, and you Judge didn't even left. need to deal with pitching because we had the pitching strategy set. You didn't even need to make moves. Okay, that's that's like I guess fair criticism, but I just don't see any like glaring like option. But I guess you could always stash all those stash. guys. You should have been dropping. You should have gotten. You should have cut bait on some of the guys we had. You know, Ryan yeah. Healy. Is it really necessary to wait for him forever? I think he's going to be fine. But right. but there are, there are far worse players on our team. I could drop him. I have like I still have like Sandy Leone because of yeah. you know Gary Sanchez was, yeah. was out. Who cares so. about Sandy Leone? Why is he even on our roster? He should be. There, there should be okay. an upside player in that spot. Yeah. Somebody that I'll could be, end up I'll being be more, good. I'll be more active on the waiver wire. I mean, that's movie. the whole name of the game in baseball, man. You got to be active. Yeah, you are totally responsible it. for this. And especially this this year with every single person, so many more players going on a DL yeah. because because of the 10, 10 days versus fifteen. It's yeah. Not only do you need to recycle more, but also there. Are, I, I think there's there's like six DL or maybe it's unlimited DL spots in this league. So our hurt guys, I could just keep adding people. Uh, I will admit that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you 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 can't half-ass a league. You know what I mean? You have to, like, every week be like, okay, who can move to the DL? How many spots do we have? Who doesn't really have upside? Who on the waiver wire has any upside whatsoever? And constantly, like, even if it's just, like, a 10% chance this guy's good, it's better than a 0% chance or a 1%. You know, you always want to just max it out. This is why you're also going to lose the friends and family to me. You're going to lose this bet. You're ahead of me now. But I don't, I just think over time you're a big underdog in this bet. Yeah, well, I do have. Uh, I am over the innings uh, cap, but um, I do have a pretty good team. In, in no, but you got to you got to stay active. You've made like how many moves all year? The, the, I think the fewest in the league. Yeah, yeah, you've made nine moves, and I've made thirty-seven. And you just got to stay on it with this thing. It's fair. It's fair. Some of us have lives. Yeah, some of us do, and you're not one of them. So I don't see why <laughs> what the problem is. All right, enough enough shit over that. But I, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. you. There's no need to feel bad. But what what do you got going on? What what else is new with you? Uh, not much, man. I so here's a follow up to the dentist. So I just didn't get any work done on this tooth that they said needed a root canal. And but I went and had a checkup today because it's like two weeks later, and the tooth doesn't hurt at all. It's like I'm living my life, no problems. And he tested it out. He's like, yeah, it's dead. The reason it doesn't bother you is the nerve is dead. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Oh. He's like, he's like, well, eventually I would still root canal it or you get it pulled. He's like, but if you don't feel anything, you don't seem to have an infection now. You're not in pain. There's no swelling or anything. Your gums are fine. He's like, you can just live your life. He's like, but it's going to, you're going to have a horrible infection at some point. Like it could be tomorrow. It could be in a year. could be in a month. So I'm sort of like, all right, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I, I, right now I'm doing nothing about it. Well, that's like the worst thing is the anticipation, not and not knowing when. when you, so you you can active proactively take care of it though. Well, I all no, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I brush my teeth, keep my mouth clean, but I've just been like eating like this bone broth and this, like nutrient dense foods and staying away from like carbohydrates and sugars. It's being healthy, and I think that is why it hasn't developed into anything um, yet. 
but some people go like years with this stuff and nothing happens. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be like a low-level immune system issue, like you're constantly fighting something. So I may just get it over with and get that thing yanked. But it's sort of like <laughs> I'm in limbo. I'm just, I'm just living my life. Yeah, that's tough. Bone broth sounds good, though. Yeah, I, I, there's a place near us that has organic bone broth, and I buy like 20 of them. Everything's cheap in Portugal. In L.A., that shit would be like 10 bucks a, a pack of it. It's like 2 bucks, And I just you know, put some. I crush a clove of garlic in there. I put some turmeric in there, some pepper, which helps your body absorb the turmeric, some sea salt. And I just pour it like a coffee or a tea and drink three cups of it just about every day. That sounds pretty good. So what else is going on? I'm third place in the NFBC main event. Rich Hill had a terrible night. I picked up Brad Hand because I knew Mauro was on the fence, but the dumbass manager for the Padres, I can't even remember who it is, he said that Mauro was still the closer, so I left Mauro in. Then then um, Brad Hand gets the save last night, So and Mauro set him up in the eighth inning, and now he still insists that Mauro is the closer. So this is kind of a nightmare. I don't really care which one's the closer since I have both. Just pick one. You know, Just tell me which one it is. So I can I can do it because I've got Britain on the DL and Jim Johnson's my other closer. So it's a shaky area. I fall into third place. Still, everything's fine. Rich Hill had a shitty game, but Sonny Gray had a great one. It's just, you know, the long slog. I just want to keep staying, you know, within range and uh, win that 125K. Yeah, definitely. We have Maurer in our in League of Leagues and somehow still winning ERA and whip with that with the strategy. But, yeah, he's been a total bum, even though he had really good peripherals to start. But, yeah, he's he's really been... Awful. Um, well, that's that's pretty good. Top three right now. I mean, that's obviously. I mean, that's within striking distance. So that's that's pretty. Uh, I bet you're crazy on the waiver wire in that one. Yeah, I, I like look at the waiver wire on like Wednesday. I'm like starting to put moves together. I'm like, okay, who who could I use? And it's um, I've been pretty restrained. I, I told you I didn't go big for Addison Reed. I backed off on Aaron Hicks, although I think I may regret that one. But I just have just enough guys. But you know what's annoying this year is like. Yasiel Puig is always sitting. He's always batting eighth or sitting. There's always like games he takes off. Then Yasmani Tomas is always sitting. I think part of it's because of his terrible defense. They sit him a lot. And then Jason Wirth because he's old. And Ryan Braun sat yesterday because of a day game after a night game. You know, it's just hard to get guys who play all the games on the schedule. Like it's just so many guys. It's not just the DL. I just think that there's sort of an NBAification of baseball now where nobody's playing 160 games anymore everybody's taking a day here and there and you and the more veteran these guys are and depending on who the manager is like they just move guys around and sick guys and it's it's tough you know you're just constantly guessing you know who's going to play the four games stint of the nfbc who's going to play two games in the weekend who's going to play three games of the weekend it, it just it's not it's not like you can just trust that because your guy's active on friday night that he's going to play all three games yeah and there's nothing you can do about that in a weekly format like the nfbc either so that's it is difficult. Um, it's been, I mean, I hate to say, I know everyone says it's been a weird year every single year, but I think with the whole 10-day DL thing, and it's just seemingly, it's been a little bit, with, as all the pitchers you named, the top, top pitchers, it's been, a, it's been a little bit of a different year, and you're probably right. The teams that are winning the most, are, or the fantasy teams that are winning the most, have just been simply the most active. Yeah, it, the craziest, a couple crazy things, like, I'm not surprised Keiko bounced back. I'm not surprised Lance McCullers is breaking out. But the guy who really shocks me that I assume is on a lot of winning teams right now is Zach Greinke. No, is Zach Greinke. No, uh, Santana's gotten kind of lucky. I mean, I know Buxton is making a big difference out there, but he's got a 140 BABIP. I don't care how good you are. Like, I think the, the 
best true BABIP you could have is like 240 probably. You know, Mariano Rivera had like a 260 career BABIP. I think yeah, I know. Like, his, his strikeout to walk ratio is like barely two to one. And it's, yeah, it's nothing special. I mean, again, I, I don't think BABIP is luck. I think they're skilled at it, but 140 is, is way off the the skill chart. It's not even, it's not remotely possible to say that. So he's been lucky. I mean, Buxton does make a huge difference, but, um, but the guy is Granky, who really shocks me that, that he's, I, I was positive he was done. He's 33. His velocity's down. He was bad last year. He's in a real hitter's park and suddenly he's, you know, a top five starter in baseball. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, Chase Field is, is the second, literally probably to, to Coors Field and run, run scoring uh, over the last, whatever, five to 10 years. And um, as you said, he, I, I, yeah, I own zero shares of him because not only was he really bad last year, and it wasn't just like bad luck, but he, his velocity was way down in spring. So I, I, I totally agree. I, I wrote him off for the season as well. I mean, I had him in like the Felix Hernandez category. And Felix Hernandez is doing, like by pitching badly and then getting hurt, exactly what I expected him to do. And which is what right. I also expected Granky to do. And it, it just could not be more different. Right. So you have any uh, political talk for me? I mean, there's, a, there's quite a bit of fodder, actually, but I guess it's more of the same. I mean, it's just all crazy. You know, there's like some single-payer momentum going around. And single-payer is a really stupid way to put it. Like single-payer, like what does that even mean? What they should be saying is you pay like a few percent more in taxes and you have zero health care premiums, deductibles or bills. You lose the second job of calculating how much you have to pay if you get this procedure or that. You lose all the stress and headache of the whole thing of deciding whether to see the doctor and the huge pain in the ass that that entails for 5% more taxes or whatever the cost would be. They'd raise your income tax a little and they'd cut by way more than they raised it for at least you know, 95% of the people the cost of getting health care. That's how they need to sell it, saying single payer. Like, who the hell knows what that is? It's just such a stupid thing. Like, who cares who the payer is? That's not the point. The point is how it affects you. Right. So, so you, you, you're all for that, you're saying? Of course. Of course. Every, everywhere else in the civilized world, they do it. And, it. and it's way cheaper. But I think there's some momentum for that. Did you see that uh, Donald Trump was meeting with, like, Israel leaders, and he told them that we, uh, we just got back from the Middle East? Yeah, but I, I heard the actual quote. And he was like, yeah, you know, we just got back from the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, whatever. He might have meant, like, we just got back from those countries in the Middle East, and now we're here. I mean, it might be that he just doesn't know that Israel's in the Middle East, but I don't know. People try to hang that kind of shit on him, and it's like, maybe some of it's true, but they just love, look how stupid he is. Ha, ha, ha. That just seems like, like it's so lame, you know? It's like, yeah, whatever. He is stupider than every president since George Bush, but... What good is that? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just weak. It's, a, it's the John Stewartification of political commentary. Like all these people think, oh, roll your eyes and laugh at how stupid they are is like some form of resistance. It, that, that dude like single-handedly turned a generation of people into like superior eye-rolling, don't really do shit and don't really know what's going on. So I, I, for me, it's like I just hope nothing big happens on his watch. I mean, we're only six months in, not even five months in. And like there hasn't, there's been a terrorist attack in in the UK, but not in the US. And like I just hope nothing big happens on his watch. So this is all a bunch of bullshit, and the stuff he's doing is bad. But hopefully he doesn't get most of his agenda passed, and I hope he does not get impeached because he is way less effective than the true sociopaths that are in his cabinet and who are next in line. You know who Nassim Tlaib is, the uh, financial writer? No. Anyway, he's this like 
he's written a bunch of books. He's kind of famous. He was a professional trader for a while. And he said that the guys who blow you up, um, who like blow the whole portfolio up, are not the guys with the wild hair and who say crazy stuff. They're the measured person in the suit. That's the guy that takes down the entire fund with some crazy risky trades. And so he was saying that even though Trump is whatever, um, he's probably not as dangerous as at that time he said Hillary Clinton, you know, the measured person in the proper attire who does things the right way. But I think forget about Clinton. I think Mike Pence might be like a sociopath. Like he doesn't eat dinner with like a woman who's not his wife. And I think he's like a zealot where he to get control. He would know how to, you know, move the levers of government properly. Unlike Trump, who's just an egomaniac. Right. So you're saying you actually it's it's better that he's less effective. Oh, he's ineffective. And maybe because he's just such an egomaniac idiot, like he's not really focused on, you know, being a crusader against Islam or, you know, something like really. He doesn't have some huge ambition except to be liked, which is dangerous in its own way. But he doesn't have like some huge ideological psychosis like some of these other guys might have. So I am hoping very much that he does not get impeached. I don't think he will, but you know, I don't, I think like as bad as this is, the alternative is worse. Right. So you actually, so you were actively hoping that he does not get impeached. No, I hope he does not get impeached. I think the Democrats will crush in 2018, make it even harder for his agenda to get passed. And I think that unless the Democrats run another corporate shill that everybody despises, they will easily win in 2020, but they may run another corporate shill that everyone despises that don't put it past them. But I think that hopefully, even though the the hardcore people are still holding on, I think they're they're starting to learn the lesson that they made a huge mistake in 2016. Right, gotcha. All right, man, I got to run into a podcast. You got to go right. do XM. So, yep. all right, good man, talk, good, ta- man. good talking to you. Take it easy, Dalton. Later, Liz.